Mormon Discussion Podcast is about helping Latter-day Saints like you lead with faith while tackling deeper, complex issues within Mormonism. All financial support goes directly towards keeping the podcast alive and supporting listeners like you. To support the podcast, please consider becoming a premium subscriber at mormondiscussionpodcast.org. Again, that's mormondiscussionpodcast, all one word, dot org. You can do this for as little as $1.50 a month or $12 a year. And this will also reward you by letting you listen to premium episodes like this one months before the general public has access. Thanks for listening. And now, on to what you've been waiting to hear. Welcome to another episode of Mormon Discussion. I'm your host, Bill Real. Grateful to have you with us today. I want to make a mention to the premium listeners. You should have gotten a message through email that says that essentially being a premium listener now allows you to receive a personal individual URL that you can put into the podcast apps and have access to the premium episodes directly from them. If you have not gotten that, please email because I know email me because I know some listeners have received it but it went into their spam folder and you may not have seen it. And so if you are not aware of this update to the website, it's something really cool that we've done. I want to thank Trace, our IT guy. I uh, just appreciate so much all that he's done and to make the site more um, enjoyable uh, for the listener to access all of the material and to to you know work through the site in a much more effective way. And so thank you. Uh, if you haven't gotten that, please email me. We'll make sure that you get it. And we just want to make sure that you're enjoying the premium episodes and, and appreciate your support on the podcast. Today I want to talk about... Eastern philosophy, and I want to specifically reach out to members of the church who who have stepped away or are really deeply considering stepping away. And I and I want to start off by just saying that I I completely, completely validate all of the emotion that you are feeling at the moment and have felt maybe for weeks or months or even years. And and I just want to say that like I totally get that. And I, and I hope by listening to this podcast, you, you recognize that I validate that and that I get it. That, that you're, that you may be angry. I know that there's many days that I am. You, you, you feel a lot of tension. You feel like you're sitting on this fence and don't, don't know which way to go. And, and maybe one decision makes more logical sense, but the other one carries more emotional value to it. Maybe there's a struggle. In terms of if you stepped away that it would hurt family ties or, or connection to community. I'm, I'm well aware of the, the struggle we have in our minds as we think about the, the whole, this, this, the whole of what is going on in terms of our relationship with the church. But I, I, I don't in any way want to devalue that. And I also want to make it absolutely crystal clear that the harm the church does to some of its members is so significant that the only way to to be healthy and, and to have a productive life is to step away and i and i grant that and encourage those members who who the church is toxic for to feel that room to do that to the rest of you i want to talk to you today about Jesus in, in some Eastern philosophy and maybe mixing the two and not necessarily mixing the two where they shouldn't be mixed, but perhaps opening our eyes to a way that they should be mixed and maybe better understanding Jesus himself within his own culture. We, we often Americanize Jesus 
we we certainly Mormonize Jesus, but we rarely ever Easternize Jesus, and that's really the context that we should never fail to place on him. And and having spent some time with with people who practice Buddhism, having listened and read some things from Phil McLemore, having spent some significant time with who I would now call my friend, uh, Thomas Worthland McConkie, and having just listened to their approach, it's it's piqued my interest in better understanding Eastern philosophy. The the first question we should cover is is whether Jesus truly would have been affected or influenced by Eastern ideas. And I think we simply just have to say that Jesus lived in this area. Regarding, for instance, Buddhism in Judea, Jesus did not live in a, uh, a pastoral, uh, ethnically uh, isolated place and time. On the contrary, non-Jewish political and cultural influences permeated Judea which was an important shipping center for trade between India and the West and the military gateway to invade Egypt via land. Now, both land and sea trade routes had run through Jerusalem for centuries. Overland routes extending to Persia and Western India were especially active after Alexander's invasion of Western India 360 years earlier. Most of the routes, whether connecting to wealthy cities in Egypt or in Greece and Rome, came through Jerusalem, where goods for Greece and Rome were shipped via the Mediterranean Sea. Sea routes from Bombay in the mouth of the Indus River went through the Persian and Red Gulfs, the distance between the mouths of the Indus and Tigris and Euphrates rivers being only about 300 miles. Much of the trade came up the Gulf of Aqaba and overland up to Jerusalem and actually nearby Joppa as the shipping point to the Mediterranean. Now, I give you that as some background, but I want to add this. During Jesus' time, Judea was a Roman dominion, and most of the trade was Roman. Being the wealthiest empire of the time, Romans sent tons of gold-minted, gold-minted sesterces eastward for goods. And I might not be pronouncing that right, and I apologize if I'm not, but some type of uh, gold piece. Uh, eastward for goods from India and other places, most of this trade came over the Mediterranean and through Judea, making Jerusalem a cosmopolitan shipping center. Because of the trade alone, Zoroastrianism and Buddhism were well known to the people of Judea. News from other lands was naturally of great interest. Most traders provided detailed accounts of the events of cities and states along their routes, often in the form of eloquent verse. Easterners in Judea were as anxious to hear news as were Jews in Persia or Western India. In addition to trade, Zoroastrians and Buddhists settled in northern Arabia, including Judea, which was only 200 miles from Mesopotamia. The story of Jesus' birth attracting the three Magi priests, if true, demonstrated close ties with Zoroastrians. Settlements occurred, especially during Alexander's invasion of the East after 330 B.C., This included Jews who welcomed Alexander's overthrow of Egyptian rule and who joined Alexander's army. Many settled along the invasion route through Persia in what is now Afghanistan and Kashmir Punjab, a practice encouraged by Alexander to maintain his empire. About 360 years later, Jesus dispatched Thomas, perhaps his closest and most loyal apostle, to practice Christianity in India. 
The descendants of these Jews continue today to reside in Kashmir or Punjab. Now that I read that, and uh, and I apologize, I, I hope the rest of this we won't have any large bits of reading, but I want to just kind of hit on this idea for a moment. In Eastern philosophy, there is this discussion of the Tao or the way, the way, and in this way differs from conventional uh, Western ontology. It, it's an active, holistic practice of natural order or nature, and it's universal awakening rather than a static sort of approach. So let's kind of jump into this. Here's the kicker. When we look to the person of Jesus in his divine form, we do not see the call to a specific religion. Though certainly the practice of said religion can be useful for what we're being called to, and we do not see the call to adhere to a predetermined list of beliefs. Rather than these things, we see a call to something much deeper, harmonization with the Tao or the way, and therefore the very intention for our humanity. You see, we're being called to be fully human, nothing more, nothing less. The language of sin then isn't simply about breaking a predetermined set of moral rules, which we, which we set all the time through Mormonism. It's about that which inhibits our intended life of the way and therefore creates conflict, establishing something other than the intended reality. Now that may, may not make a lot of sense, but Buddhism focuses a lot on one's ego, one's need to fulfill lower identities. And, and having spent a little bit of time with Danny and Mara Kofed, who I interviewed a while back, and, and their, their discussion about love and love being the higher identity. And that any of these lower identities we try to fulfill really are just trying to soothe our ego. And that Buddhism or the way is this idea of, of working to rid oneself of trying to fulfill the ego and rather trying to connect with kind of one's higher self. And, and one has to ask, like, how does one let go of one's ego or fulfilling it? And it certainly isn't by being catered to or having one's needs always met. Rather, it comes through having to be deprived of having easy ways to fulfill one's ego. That one has to be essentially uh, tried by fire in order to cast off from oneself those traits that stand in the way of finding this kind of higher self. And I, and I know maybe I'm going to sound crazy today and I apologize if, if some of this just doesn't connect with you. And, and if you get another 10 minutes in and you just don't feel like this is meeting you where you're at, then by all means skip this episode. But I, I think there's something deep here if you can just give yourself some time to kind of process this. You see, Jesus said, straight is the gate and narrow is the way and few there be that find it. And I sit and I think about Mormonism, right? Jesus also says, I am the way, the truth and the light. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Jesus is the way. Jesus is the higher life. Jesus is the exemplar. He is the perfect example to look at and figure out how one gets onto and stays on the narrow path. 
And this idea that there be few there be that find it, in Mormonism we've kind of made it sound like, hey, you know, there's you know 8 billion people in the world and there's 15 million Mormons and only 5 million are going to church. And so there's few there be that find it. And I don't think that's what Jesus is at all talking about. And I think whether we as a church theology or a church culture pose it that way, I think we're getting it dead wrong. I think what Jesus is saying is he is the way. What what does that mean? Like we have to dive into like what does that mean that Jesus is the way? But then understanding that whatever that way is, few there be that find it. Straight is the gate and narrow is the way. And I also want to talk about as we get into this how the church actually helps those few that find the way. Jesus said other things too that tie into this very deep ideas one of the things jesus taught was that you must lose yourself to find yourself you must lose yourself to find yourself he also said that the first shall be last and the last shall be first and i think about some of these these thoughts within faith transitions and let's just let's just step back for a moment from mormonism let's go back to kind of faith development there's this idea that most of us, you know, end up in this black and white extrinsic authority view. And that's really where the majority of people are. Very few people, few people move beyond that stage to a place where they locate their authority within themselves and see the world in contraries and paradoxes. Very few people find that. Now, straight is the gate and narrow is the way. When I think of a narrow path, it's a path that forces you to no longer be able to travel with everyone else around you. Rather, you must travel it somewhat alone or at least more spread out, at least not being able to bunch up together because the path is narrow. It doesn't allow you to do that. And straight is the gate to this path like like the the gate itself is narrow and again we like to talk about this being baptism but what is baptism it is a a commitment to god in a certain moment to strive and live one's life differently straight is the gate and narrow is the way when i think of the idea of you must lose yourself to find yourself like that to me is letting go of ego. Like you have to be diminished. You have to be challenged. You have to be persecuted. You have to be marginalized. You have to lose yourself so that you can find yourself. I think the same idea comes in when I say that the first shall be last and the last shall be first. For those of you who are trying to live this stage four, stage five Mormonism, you likely are feeling all of those things. You're being marginalized. You're being diminished. You're being ostracized. You're being, you're being harmed in some ways. You likely feel as though those around you place you last. Perhaps your spouse has pushed you away. Perhaps your parents don't want to talk to you. You must lose yourself to find yourself. And so one has to wonder if Staying in the church is actually how you work through that journey of discovering the way. 
the rules of Christianity, or the rules of Mormonism for that matter, and all the do's and don'ts that it's turned into, are at best a derivative and a shadow of the way, where Christianity is too often reduced to a moral or ethical code to live by. You see, rather than this kind of Mormonism, or this kind of Christianity, the real way that Jesus is talking about, or real true Mormonism, or true Christianity, is that the rules are stripped away, and the spotlight is put on the transformation God works within us, within us, to recreate us to our true state as part of the way, his intended order for the universe and for us as his creation. Our role is to simply open our lives to that transformation and to walk the way. Christ is both God and the way is the gateway. He even says as much. He says, I am the way. And to us being a new creation shaped towards that intended reality, the reality that underpins the universe, Jesus. The the idea of the way within Buddhism has this meaning to awaken, to be enlightened, to comprehend, and to all those who have entered stage four of faith development in terms of using Fowler kind of as a, as a framework, your eyes are opened. You've been enlightened. You now comprehend information in a much truer way. Your eyes are opened. Straight is the gate, narrow is the path, and few there be that find it. The Buddha offered metaphysical knowledge into the nature of reality as well as a moral way of life. The middle way, there's a lot of discussion in Buddhism of this middle way, is an important idea in Buddhist thought and practice. To seek moderation and to avoid extremes of self-indulgent and self-mortification. Think about some of these ideas that, that you need resistance to grow. And the church provides that. Man does it provide it. Once your eyes are opened and you are one of the few that have found the way, the church pushes you. The church pushes you away. The church minimizes you, diminishes you, marginalizes you, ostracizes you. In some ways, it deeply hurts you. When your eyes were not opened, everything was beautiful. It had its place. Everything fit together wonderfully. And you were a solid centerpiece of that community. But now you're one of the few. One of the few who have found it. You see that perhaps the church is true in that it is Jesus' prescribed entity in order to persecute and marginalize you who are on the narrow path. Do you see that? That, that even in the church's flawed state, even in what we now perceive as like, man, the church does some real serious harm to people. It can still be true even in the midst of that, that in some ways it is helping us discover the way only by being flawed, that if it wasn't flawed, if it was perfect and beautiful and everything fit and there weren't any paradoxes, then we would just go along smooth and and not really have this testing ground, this place to kind of work out our own salvation, work out our own salvation. In other words, for the church to do its job to the few that find the way, it has to be in some ways an utter failure. And and by the church being this flawed, it actually helps those who are prepared to find the way 
to become one of the few, it actually provides a great, great set of grounds, a great atmosphere and environment for one to be encouraged and nudged along to open one's eyes. Now, sure, most people don't do it. But Christ tells us that most won't. He says, look, straight is the gate and narrow is the way and few there be that find it. He's already telling us up front that most people are going to stay back in that black and white extrinsic authority perspective. But the church is here to challenge us to the point where we are being encouraged and nudged to open our eyes, to find one's inner authority. So when we look at the prophet Joseph Smith, one of the things that Joseph talked about, he said, by proving contraries, truth is made manifest. In other words, we need to have paradoxes and contradictions within our view. That's how we learn truth. History of the Church, this is book six, I think, uh, page 248. To study it out in our mind is often prerequisite to heavenly assistance. This idea of proving contraries, truth is made manifest. Certainly, the Church gives us plenty of contraries and contradictions and paradoxes and pieces of the puzzle that don't add up. And in some ways, it's doing exactly its job, which is on an individual basis, helping us to be better at discovering and finding and seeing truth for what it is. Let's go back to Jesus. Matthew 7. Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. And many there be which go in thereat. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way, which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. Hmm. Listen to the definition of, of the word straight. Sure, we, we've got the, the first definition, a narrow passage of water connecting two seas, or two large areas of water. For instance, the Strait of Gibraltar. But listen to these other ones. The second definition used in reference to a situation characterized by a specified degree of trouble or difficulty. For instance, the economy is in dire straits. Synonyms, bad, difficult situation, difficulty, trouble, crisis, a mess, a predicament, a plight. I wonder if Jesus was using this idea of straight is the gate. Like, like one has to have these difficult situations in order to begin to enter this process of having one's eyes opened and then to continue on this path of dealing with difficult situations and trouble and crisis and messes and predicaments and plights simply pushes one along the path. And the trouble is that so many of us are becoming disenfranchised with the church because it didn't live up to our expectations of it that we're walking away and we're leaving. And I simply wanted to offer today that maybe the church is true, but that for it to be true, it has to offer straight gates every Sunday and throughout the week. Straight gates in our mind every time we try to look at the contraries and paradoxes. Maybe it's doing its job. It certainly isn't the job we were raised thinking it was to do, but maybe it's still doing its job. For those who feel that the church 
is a struggle, maybe it's doing exactly what Jesus has said it should be doing. I want to begin to wrap up by sharing some thoughts from both Buddhism as well as Jesus and give you some maybe some ideas, some things to walk away from, just to ponder on and just to think about. Buddha said, I will teach you the truth and the path leading to the truth. Buddha is quoted as saying, it is proper for you to doubt. Do not go upon report. Do not go upon tradition. Do not go upon hearsay. It is proper for you to doubt. Oh, Brahmana, it is just like a mountain river flowing far and swift, taking everything along with it. There is no moment, no instant, no second when it stops flowing, but it goes on flowing and continuing. So Brahmana is human life like a mountain river. Do we often find ourselves feeling like we are in this constant tension of a river? Every day we wake up, our minds are taken to think about and reconcile and work our way through the contraries of Mormonism. The Buddha said, Wherefore, brethren, thus must ye train yourselves. Liberation of the will through the love will develop. We will often practice it. We will make it vehicle and base, take our stand upon it, store it up, thoroughly set it going. Here's some others. Hold faithfulness and sincerity as first principles. Everything has its beauty, but not everyone sees it. Forget injuries. Never forget kindness. Respect yourself, and others will respect you. To see what is right and not to do it is want of courage or of principle. What the superior man seeks is in himself. What the small man seeks is in others. When anger arises, think of the consequences. When we see men of contrary character, we should turn inwards and examine ourselves. Those are some from the Buddha. Let's talk about Jesus for a moment. You have heard the law that says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy, but I say I love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you, and that way you will be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. For he gives his sunlight to both the evil and the good. And he sends rain upon the just and the unjust alike. If you love only those who love you, what reward is there for that? Even corrupt tax collectors do that much. If you are kind only to your friends, how are you different from anyone else? Don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. Do to others whatever you would have them to do to you. This is the essence of all that is taught in the law and the prophets. You know that the rulers in this world lord it over their people, and officials flaunt their authority over those under them, but among you it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first among you must be the slave of everyone else. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. If any of you wants to be my follower, you must turn from your selfish ways, take up your cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you will give up your life for my sake and for the sake of the good news, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? If anyone is ashamed of me and my message in these, 
adulterous and sinful days, the Son of Man will be ashamed of that person when he returns to the glory of his Father with the holy angels. My kingdom is not an earthly kingdom. If it were, my followers would fight to keep me from being handed over to the Jewish leaders, but my kingdom is not of this world. And so I tell you, keep on asking, and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking, and you will find. Keep on knocking, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, everyone who seeks finds, and everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. I want to I wanna wrap up for just a second, talking about the Savior himself. Jesus claims to be the way. What is the way? Now, when I look at the life of the Savior, here's what he does. He puts himself in the tension. He puts himself into life in its situations. He puts himself into these situations where people abuse him, mock him, criticize him, marginalize him, persecute him. And he does not He certainly, he walks away and takes his breaks, but he does not step away. He stays on the path. He takes what is going on around him because it's pushing him. He's asking us to follow his example. And again, I am saying if the church is toxic, by all means, you you should walk away. And you certainly don't need my permission, but you have it. But I am saying to those who simply are dealing with the tension, and the tension is not toxic, that perhaps you consider that the church is doing its job, and by stepping away from the church, that you might, in fact, be stepping off the narrow path. That to be like Jesus is to live in the tension. Straight is the gate, and narrow is the way, and few there be that find it. But for those who have found it, You must lose yourself to find yourself. Jesus seems to have this ability. I was out, I was out for dinner with my, a couple of my friends the other night. And, um, and one of the folks that we were out to dinner with is a super nice guy, super nice guy, but, but a much more orthodox thinker. And, and he was frustrated with my post on Facebook and he was frustrated with what I was doing. And, and so we got to dinner and we're just having this like two hour, three hour conversation where I'm trying to help him understand my point of view. And I'm, and I'm explaining to him the paradox of my podcast versus my Facebook post, which for those who are listening, I know for those who follow me on Facebook, you see what looks like a bipolar, multiple personality person. And I promise you, I'm not suffering from schizophrenia, but rather what I'm doing is completely intentional. The podcast is designed to reach out to the doubter and to help them to have the strength and encouragement needed to go forward in faith. The Facebook posts are designed to bump up against the family, friends, and church leaders of those doubters and to show those people the paradoxical nature of Mormonism so that they will begin to create some space for for diversity, create some space for people to be different than them. And I'm walking this this friend of ours through this. I'm helping him to see like why there's this tension in what I do. And I begin to kind of show him, walking him, he'd ask questions or he'd make comments and I'd walk him through church history and explain how do we think about this or what do you think about that and here's how I put those pieces together. And by the end of the night, it feels like he is grasping just how messy Mormonism is where he didn't see it before. 
and and as much as he was perhaps coming to the dinner to try and help me get set straight, I think we walked away with him acknowledging that Bill, you have a a right to the perspective that you hold, and here on out, I'm going to grant you that. I'm going to give you that room. And when we got done, my 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 friend that I'm out with, who sees the world much the same way that I do says, Bill, you, you did that masterfully. His, his wife calls up and says, Bill, that was, that was beautiful. Like you, you helped him at every turn, like put the pieces together. It was like, it was like watching and, and, and not because of the violence or the, the revenge or the anger, but like, like a masterful boxing match where you duck and weave from the punches that your opponent is throwing. Not again, not that these are like, punches of a combative conversation. Not that at all. Just when someone's offering their point of view and thinks they're right, and you duck and dodge those those pieces of the argument, and then you come back around with your jab and you show them like how their pieces don't fit as well as they thought, and perhaps your pieces have more validation than they thought. And, and said you handled that so beautifully. And I was thinking about that last night as I was thinking about Buddhism and Eastern philosophy and Jesus as the way, that Jesus does this. Jesus ducks and dodges the criticisms that come, and then he walks these people right into their own ego. He walks these people right into their own paradoxes. He walks these people right into their own contraries in their own life. And what I'm suggesting is that each of us consider being and staying on the narrow path. It's my prayer that we'll find the way. And if we found the way already that we stay in it. Heck yeah, there's tension. Heck yeah, there's hurt and there's pain and there's frustration and there's anger and there's sadness and there's disappointment. But I think Jesus is teaching us that only by living in that are we able to put away our lesser identities and find our higher self. Straight is the gate and narrow is the path and few there be that find it. May the Lord warm your shoulders. In the sacred name of Jesus Christ, amen. Amen.